0: All right, so Esther chapter 9. We did the first half of the chapter last week, which we saw the Jews having great victory over their enemies, and now it's time to celebrate. And so that's the second half of the chapter. We're going to begin with verse 20. Let's give our attention to God's perfect word. Esther chapter 9, verse 20. And Mordecai recorded these things and sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far obliging them to keep the 14th day of the month of Adar and also the 15th day of the same, year by year, as the days on which the Jews got relief from their enemies and as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into a holiday, that they should make these days of feasting and gladness, days of sending gifts of food to one another and gifts to the poor. So the Jews accepted what they had started to do, and what Mordecai had written to them. For Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of all the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them and had cast pur, that is lots, to crush and to destroy them. But when it came before the king, he gave orders in writing that his evil plan that he had devised against the Jews should return on his own head and that he and his son should be hanged on the gallows. Therefore, they called these days Purim, after the term Pur. Therefore, because of all that was written in this letter and of what they had faced in this matter and of what had happened to them, the Jews firmly obligated themselves and their offspring and all who joined them, that without fail they would keep these two days according to what was written at that time appointed every year, that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation in every clan, province, and city, and that these days of Purim should never fall into disuse among the Jews, nor should the commemoration of these days cease among their descendants. Then Queen Esther, the daughter of Abihail, and Mordecai the Jew gave full written authority confirming the second letter about Purim. Letters were sent to all the Jews in the 127 provinces of the kingdom in Ahasuerus, of Ahasuerus in words of peace and truth that these days of Purim should be observed at their appointed season as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther obligated them. And as they had obligated themselves and their offspring with regard to their feast, their fast and lamenting, the command of Esther confirmed these practices of Purim. And it was recorded in writing. It completes our reading of God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word, this celebration of Purim. Lord, help us know what you intend, how you intend to use it for our good, for the good of our church, for the good of each person in this room, me included. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, amen, amen. Well, again, to all the mothers in the room, happy Mother's Day. We're very thankful for all of you. I'm thankful for my own mother. She invested countless hours uh, in me to set me um, on the way to follow Christ all my life. And I'm so thankful for her. I'm thankful... For my wife, the mother of my four children, as she too has invested countless hours in our four little girls who aren't little anymore. They all grew, they've all grown up. Most of them have. And uh, we're so thankful. I'm thankful for all the other mothers here in the room. Um, thank you for the investment you made in your kids. And for those of you who maybe don't have kids and have invested spiritually in other people's lives, thank you. We're very thankful for all of you on this Mother's Day. Well, another holiday... Is Purim, as as this passage talks about. But I didn't want to miss the opportunity to give you, you know, the Ten Commandments? Here, today's a great way you can apply one of them. Honor your father and mother. You can honor your mother on Mother's Day. Back to our passage. So this new holiday, Purim. Um, If you've been with us for a while, you might remember that way back when Haman was creating his annihilation edicts, he said, how am I going to pick a day? I got an idea. I'll just roll some dice. And that'll determine when we annihilate all the Jews. Well, the the word for die is per, plural is perum. So perum, that's where they get the name for this holiday. So there it is. That's how he named it. Did you notice in there that it said how important it was to not forget it? It said it should be remembered and kept throughout how many generations? Every generation. Okay. Then it says that these days of perum should never fall into disuse. Never is a long time. So, moms, I just want you to imagine: what if, like everyone, forgot that it was Mother's Day today, and they just it fell into disuse, (laughs) the holiday? Um, You probably would not feel so loved today. So, um, what about this holiday? What if I were to tell you at Hope Community Church, we're going to start celebrating Purim every year? I mean, isn't every word of God still true? I mean, it's all the word of God. What do you think, guys? Now, some of you are thinking, well, as long as there's a feast involved and there's food, sign me up. As long as Dan Kasky cooks, right? It'll be great. Now, many of you are actually probably uncomfortable with this idea, and you should be. Do you know why? Like, it it specifically said, this is the Word of God, it said, never let it fall into disuse. Then what right do we have to let it fall into disuse? Does that make sense? How would you answer that? Okay, I'll give you the microphone. Anyone? And so we're going to answer that this morning. Okay? We're going to answer that. But more specifically, you look on page 7. Here's the exact question we're going to answer. How are we to remember the Lord's deliverance? How are we to remember the Lord's deliverance? Three ways, or three points. Faithfully, together, and joyfully. Faithfully, together, and joyfully. Let's look at that first one. Faithfully. So again, it said, Never let it fall into disuse. Now, you can't just say, because you're not a Jew, uh, that's not going to work. You know why? There's this little verse in Galatians 3.29, says this, and if you are Christ, and you're Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Sorry, folks, you're all Jews now. You can't use that. And what about the Ten Commandments? Those were written for one people, only one nation all the earth. They're called Jews. Why do you think they apply to you? Because you're a Christian, right? Do you see the logic here? Okay, so you can't just say we're going to throw out Purim because it's in the Old Testament and I'm not a Jew. Well, you kinda, you're kind of brought in with Abraham and, and through Christ, okay? Make sense? Okay, so you still got a problem. Um, kids, if you have a bulletin, you can borrow your parents for a second. It, look on page 7. You see the whole passage. I want you to look for a word and circle it. The word is obliging or obligated. Very similar words. Find those words and circle them, kids. All right, and then we're going to look, and and in a second I'm going to ask you how many you found, okay? Look at verse 21 for everyone. All right, verse 21. Obliging them to keep the 14th day, oh, there's one, of the month of Adar, and also the 15th day of the same, what's the last three words? Year by year. That means ongoing. He's obliging them. Look at, it comes later, look at verse 27 and 28. It says the Jews firmly obligated themselves and their offspring, so not only themselves, but their kids, and all who joined them. Well, that would be us. we join them much later. That without fail, they would keep these two days according to what was written at the time appointed every year. That these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, in every clan, province, and city. The days of Purim should never fall into disuse among the Jews nor should the commemoration of these days cease among their descendants. Verse 29, I I want you to see how how much effort is taken to make sure they get the point, faithfully do this. Like this book is wanting the Jews to realize, hey, don't stop doing this. Verse 29 says they had full written authority. Verse 31, and these days of Purim should be observed at their appointed seasons as Mordecai, the Jew, and Queen Esther Obligated, I hope kids are catching that. Them and they had obligated themselves, there it is again, and their offspring with regard to the fast and the lamenting. All right, kids, show me your fingers. How many do you get? How many do you find? Yep, I see some right answers. Yep, you're right. Four. Very good. So, four times. So, if they use that word four times, it's probably important. Obliging, obligating. That, that word means. That someone would be legally or morally bound to an action. Obliging. So this is, this must be important. Okay, so let's look, let's pause that for a second. Let me tell you about another Jewish feast. Don't worry, we aren't adding this to the calendar. It's called Passover. Does anyone know what Passover celebrated? The Jews, the Exodus, right? They got out of Egypt. That was the song we sang that I read for the call to worship was from that, that event. So I won't tell you the whole story, but a lot of crazy plagues, and then at the last one is related to this remembrance of Passover, and God does something amazing and gets all the Jews out, okay? And so they here, listen, this is a Moses writing. This is Exodus twelve fourteen. This day, talking about Passover, shall be for your memorial day that you should keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. Hey, there's that word again. You shall keep it as a feast. Now does forever not mean forever? Come on, this is the Bible. That brings us back to the question. What about us? What right do we have to throw out all these things? What right do we have to throw out all these things? Now I think the key to answering this question, you have to rewind 2,000 years. I want to take you to the last legitimate um, uh, celebration of Passover. Okay? You're in a room with a bunch of Jews, And the leader stands up, and he says these words. This is actually found in 1 Corinthians 11. The Lord Jesus, happened to be that Jewish leader, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. This is the Passover bread. In the middle of of doing Passover, he picks up the bread, and he says, this bread is my body, which is for you. Well, that's interesting. Then he says, he picks up the cup. This is the Passover cup. He says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now what right does this guy have to do this? I mean, he's hijacking a holiday, isn't he? Yeah, you aren't really supposed to do that. You don't just like come in and like just redo the whole holiday and say, you know what? This is now, this, I'm going to give new meaning to all this stuff. I mean, isn't that what Jesus did? He absolutely hijacked Passover. And he said, now this is going to represent my body. This is going to... Why could Jesus do that? Because Jesus was God. When you're God, you get to do stuff like that. You get to hijack whatever holiday you want. But what you see is, is that all the Old Testament was foreshadowing what was to come. One of my goals is, we want to be a church of both the Old Testament and the New Testament. I want you to use your whole Bible, not just half of it. And if you look, it's actually the small half. New Testament's like this much, Old Testament's just like this much, right? What in the world do you have all that for? It was leading up to Christ. So Christ, they got kicked, they got released from Egypt, right? They got set free from slavery. Well, now Jesus was setting them free from a greater slavery than Egypt. Does that make sense? And so all that was foreshadowing what was to come. You know what else? Speaking of hijacking stuff, you know what the fourth commandment is? This is from Exodus chapter 20. Here's the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor, so you're supposed to work for six days. Do all your work. But on the seventh day, on the Sabbath, the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock or the sojourner within your gates. That's pretty much everybody. But in what reason does it give? It says, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, and on the seventh day who rested? God rested. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Okay, so that's the fourth commandment. It's been around a long time. Yes, since the beginning, right? He created everything in six days. He took a break and he said, look, every seven days, I want you to take a break. I want you to work for the first six days and take a break. Okay, so fourth commandment. Do the 10 commandments still apply? Nod your head yes. Then what are you doing here today? This is not the seventh day. This is the first day of the week. You missed it by a day. Do you guys get where I'm going with that? Right? That's the fourth commandment. Ten commandments still apply, and yet we're here on the wrong day. What, what happened? Here's what happened. Jesus rose on the first day of the week. He wasn't a day late either, just like you are. Revelation 1.10, John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Well, that's interesting. Old Testament doesn't talk about the Lord's day. When Jesus came back, all the Christians realized, hey, This out, this overshadows everything we've ever had before. The whole Testament. Yeah, creation, it was exciting. It was really a big deal. This is bigger than that. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was bigger than the entire world? You have Google Earth. You just zoom out on that thing. That whole planet, the whole universe, you've seen images from the Hubble Space Telescope. Right, all that, God created then in six days and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is bigger than all that. Bigger than the Exodus, bigger than Purim. Remember, you're still wondering why in the world did you get out of that one? It's because of this. See, it's, it hijacked everything. It changed everything. No longer. They still understood the fourth commandment applied, but they said, no, now we need to rest on this new day. This was the event that all of human history hinged on when Jesus came back, when he rose from the grave. Now I want you to imagine for a second. Imagine a single guy who he just, he remembers when his first date was, even before that. He remembers when his first crush was, the first girl that he ever had a crush on. And he celebrates that day each year. This was the day I had my first crush in elementary school. And he also remembers his his first time he held a girl's hand. He celebrates that day too. He also celebrates his first date with a girl in high school. So he's celebrating all these things. But then he gets married In addition to celebrating his anniversary, he still celebrates all those other days. That'd be kind of weird, wouldn't it? (laughs) This is the day that I, remember that girl in elementary school? Like he'd get slapped like three times a year, right? (laughs) Yeah. No, no, he met his his wife much later. Much later. It's absolutely ridiculous. That is what it would be for us to celebrate Purim. That's what it would be for us to celebrate Passover. You see, all that, was a long time ago that has been so overshadowed when you meet your wife all everything else before that's overshadowed you don't have like picture books of all your old girlfriends and on your wall like here's all my. but this is the biggest one's my wife right you just right overshadows that if any of you're doing that don't bad idea no you of course you aren't right and so this is the way it is was, Was this a huge victory? Absolutely. Has it been exciting watching the whole story of Esther? Yes. Part of the purpose of that is for us to then see, oh, that's small potatoes compared to this. What God did for Mordecai and Esther and all the Jews, that they would not all be annihilated, that was nothing compared to you not going to hell. That's even bigger. That I will not that I will not face the death penalty for all the bad stuff I ever did. And I will not be condemned to hell because Jesus died on the cross and rose again. That's worth changing when our holy day is, when the day that we rest is, our day that we worship is. That's why you're here today and not yesterday, if anyone didn't realize. That's why. That is why. But think about this. If it was so important, remember this, our first point is faithfully, right? They were so faithful like how many times in this passage, the obliging them, obligated four times, right kids? And then it said, never let it fall into disuse. Now there was some competition. I'm sure there were some days that there were other things to do other than celebrate Purim, right? And so he was then saying, hey, when, when your remembrances day fades, still remember this. And so this is an argument from the lesser, that's the lesser Purim, to the greater, the resurrection of Christ. How much more... If this is the Christian Sabbath, you're here on the Christian Sabbath, should we be faithful to this day? Does that argument make sense? That if, you're, if this passage said like 12 different ways, don't stop doing this, remember this, this is important. And then we see that of the Lord's Day. How much more important? I mean, to make the illustration even more ridiculous, what if your husband, not only did he like celebrate all those of his little silly holidays before he got married, then he, like, when he gets married to you, he, like, only remembers, like, every third anniversary. Like, you remembered your first date better than you remember your anniversary? He'd really be in trouble, right? Ladies, nod your head right, right? <laughs> and so, see, do you see the issue, right? So if the Jews, I mean, the Jews are still celebrating Purim. I'll tell you in a second some of the ways they celebrate. It's pretty wild. But they're still celebrating that. They're remembering all these little things. And so, how much more so? Do we have something bigger to celebrate than any Jew? Absolutely. They think the Messiah is still coming. Newsflash, he came. And it's way more exciting than anything you're celebrating at Passover, Purim, all these other holy days. See, we kind of collapsed all of it into one. And we celebrate each week, being the Lord's Day. Jesus fulfilled the whole ceremonial law of the Old Testament. That's why, even though the Old Testament is still for us, we don't do a lot of it because we now see that all of it pointed forward to who? Christ. Right? Do you see that? It pointed forward to Christ. Okay, so that we see that we're to be faithful. Right? That's the first. But how exactly are we to do it? Look at the second point. Together. Look at verse 22. Kids, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to read verse 22 and then I'm going to ask you this question, kids. Does this holiday sound like something that they celebrate privately in their own homes or that was a community event? Okay? So I'm going to read the verse and you tell me which it is. Verse 22. 22 says this As the days when the Jews got relief from their enemies, and as the month they had turned, that turned from them from sorrow to gladness, from mourning into a holiday, that they should make these days of feasting and gladness, days of sending gifts of food to one another and gifts to the poor. Okay, what do you think, kids? A private thing that you do only in your home, or something that you do as a community? Community, right? Do you see that, kids? I mean, it'd be kind of tough to like give gifts to each other and never leave your home. And send gifts to the poor? That'd be kind of hard to do if you stay in your house. And they didn't have like, you can't like just put on your phone and like get it delivered to their house, right? You actually had to go physically and like hand them crazy stuff. They had to hand people stuff. All right, so the same, you see that. So that's Purim. Purim was community. It was together, right? It was not just an independent thing. Now that's just Purim. What about the Lord's Day? Is the Lord's Day a private thing? You guys decided to come here. You could have done this in more comfortable seats. I'm sure your couch and your lazy boy are way more comfortable than these benches. I mean, we put pads on them, but they're still still not that comfortable. All right, so why are you here? Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up. Oh, there it is. Not giving up, meeting together. Don't give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. That verse very clearly says Christians should meet together. That God wants, and when you don't celebrate your birthday, like, hey, we're going to celebrate your birthday, we're all going to be in our own house, and we'll just celebrate, um, we'll tell you, we are we're so, well, we won't come to your house, I'm going to get my house, you're going to get your house, and we'll celebrate. No, like you, there's something, isn't it nice when you celebrate together? I mean, not when you hear me sing. You'd you'd rather me be at home when I'm singing, but we celebrate together. Acts 2.42, the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking bread and prayers. They did that together. I mean, if we learn nothing else from COVID quarantines, we learn that Zoom is not as good as in person. Amen? Amen? We don't love Zoom. We still use it some. There's something unique about being together. There's something special about being together. Paul in Acts 20, is talking to the, the elders, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which is he obtained with his own blood. So he's telling the elders, care for the flock. Now a literal sh- shepherd can no more care for sheep over a screen than, than church leaders can care for the flock of God spiritually, remotely. You have to actually be together. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders, submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who must give an account. I must give an account. The leaders of the church must give an account. And in order to do that, we have to be together. Many sheep wander away. And sure, they're watching sermons online and they're, doing, they're, they're still connecting to God in some way, but there is something unique. God intends that even more than Purim is celebrated as a community event, that our Lord's Day. I mean, any teacher knows you try to where's my teachers uh you know i was looking for mandy mandy disappeared but that for a teacher to wrangle students over virtually how easy is that right that it is nearly impossible so it's the same is true with church it's important to be together so there she is um oh there we are i'm sorry for all my other teachers i'm sorry but you know, you know how it is. You've told me how hard it is to wrangle. And so the same is true with church. God intends us to worship Him together. Scripture is very clear on that. I can give you many other verses. So we should do it faithfully. We should do it together. You could do those two things and completely miss the heart of this issue. You could faithfully be in church every Sunday. You could do it together. And completely that brings us to our third point. The last one is joyful. All right, I'm going to read verse 22 again. Does this sound like, like a somber thing? It said, sorrow into gladness. your mourning into to feasting and in gladness. They were excited. Look at verse 23. It said the Jews accepted what they already started to do. You know, when you're, when you're a sports fan watches a game, do you have to tell them, now's the time. Does it say on the screen, now's the time to celebrate your team just won? no. You're jumping up and down. Yeah, my team won. Well, you don't have to, you, it was anything but what the Jews could do. They naturally were celebrating. God just delivered us. God just delivered us. But you know what happens over time? People, we have a tendency as humans to forget why we're celebrating. Fourth of July, do you like, are you like so overcome with joy that you have freedom from Great Britain? Maybe like over the fireworks. I love the fireworks. And over the cookouts. But we easily forget. Like, what, what are we celebrating again? You know, in, uh, if you went to Jerusalem, it was March, I think, 16th, 17 this year, for Purim. I think they've kind of forgotten some of the point of this. I don't think they're thinking about the deliverance from Haman. You could go by the Tel Aviv street party Purim rave. Yep, it's real. It was there. I don't think they're really remembering Haman. I don't think they're praising God. They're just having a really big party. So it's easy for us to forget. Now, we could apply this sermon to Easter and Christmas, couldn't we? Jesus is the reason for the season. Absolutely. Should we focus on him and not presence? Absolutely. Should you not worry about your Easter? You just celebrated Easter two weeks ago. That your Easter meal was so perfect that you forget about the resurrection of Christ? Absolutely. But even bigger than that, should we not, as we come to worship him week by week, remember that that this is, this is something special that Jesus did. But here's something different. You know about the 4th of July and Purim and Passover? See, like, the first couple Purims, Mordecai and Esther were there, right? That made it easier. Eventually they died. And Purim went on. Moses, he was there for the first few Passovers. Made sure everyone was celebrating, right? Moses finally died. And then it, it went on. Right? All the people from the 4th of, 4th of July, back 1776, they're definitely all dead. Right? So we don't have all the people that that remind us of the occasion, right? Make sense? Makes it harder. What about this? Did you bring anyone with you? Was anyone here? Absolutely. Yeah, now, of course, Jesus is physically up in heaven, but Jesus is spiritually present right here. Just because you can't see him doesn't mean he's not here. His spirit is here. The Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. That's what makes it easier to actually have joy as you worship God, is this is not abstract from the actual person who celebrating that Jesus actually went. So Cinco de Mayo, 4th of July. Yeah, you can forget what the meaning of, but the Lord's Day, he's actually here. That really helps. That's true of your anniversary, right? Who do you always have with you on your anniversary? Your spouse, right? I hope you do. And it makes it pretty special, right? It, would be kinda, it wouldn't be the same without him. And so it is, as we celebrate week by week, Christ is actually here. Christ is actually here. And it's, this is all foreshadowing, even this. See, part of what makes this, you struggle, some of you even struggle, you might be struggling this morning to stay engaged, right? Because, but it's, this is all still foreshadowing. You can't see, you just see me. I'm not nearly, if Jesus was up here, none of, us, I would, none of us would fall asleep, right? But because Jesus is not, you can't see him, this foreshadows what is to come. One day he's really coming back. So part of my job and part of our job as we look at the Old Testament or New Testament is to remember, Jesus, you really did something. If you became a Christian as an adult, you know your life drastically changed. There's your life before Christ and your life after Christ. And you can compare those two. Christ, that same Christ that worked in you that day is still working. So even though it might have been a long time. And the other trouble is we do this every week. Right, so you celebrate your anniversary once a a year, but hopefully you take your wife on dates Right? And see so a good advice is take your wife on dates. And so as you do that, it rekindles, oh yeah, I remember. God, as, as we sang up here with Josh and Jenny, that we remember, yes, that this really is worthy of worship. First Corinthians thirteen twelve says this, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. Even as I have been fully known, so brothers and sisters, my heart's desire is as a church. We don't, we aren't just creating this event on Sunday by Sunday because we're trying to create like a brand or some like momentum, this something great. The reason we're doing this is because Jesus is really here, and He's called His people every Lord's Day to gather together. You don't have to gather with us, and if if you check us out and you decide, hey, this this wasn't for me. I just can't sit on that bench for so long. That's all right. There's plenty of other churches that have comfortable chairs. But that we are as the people of God in churches to worship him, to gather together just like you do for your birthdays and anniversaries and everything else. We gather together and it is to be joyful. I can't do that for you. I can't. No matter what I say, I can't make it joyful. The Holy Spirit in you. Now if you don't have the Holy Spirit, now this is really going to be boring. It's really going to be boring. It's like celebrating when there's the—you aren't even married to the person. You're sitting with some stranger. Part of what makes your anniversary special is you're married to the person. And so that is to be a Christian. If you don't know that—if Jesus is not—sure, you're coming, but that, that's different than— you can be in the same restaurant with a person that doesn't make you married to him, right? And, and so it is Jesus who—if you, if if you're still your king, this is not going to be that exciting. It's coming to worship your new king and King Jesus— wants to be your king wants to rule and reign in your life so if he's not your king today would be a great day to let him be your king and say jesus i want you to be my king i want to worship you i want this to be your lord's day because i want to be your child i want to start a relationship we use a lot of marriage examples because scripture uses that scripture uses that so let me close on that that may we faithfully and joyfully celebrate with christ who is our risen savior and one day will come and take us as his bride we look forward to that day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know your spirit's here. I pray that your spirit would move far beyond what I can do. I'm, I'm but a man. Far beyond what Purim can do. It is but an old holiday that's been overshadowed by the resurrection. Thank you, Jesus, for rising from the dead. Thank you for hijacking Passover. Thank you for hijacking the Sabbath and moving it a day. Lord, now everything centers around your resurrection. All the old holy days have now been rolled into one. Oh Lord, I pray that you would add what I could never add to this. That as as they sing, as they play guitar and a keyboard, they could never create a joyful environment. You only can do that. Lord, create the joy in those who know you and those who don't know you. May they know that they don't know you and may you move in their hearts. They would say, I want a new Lord. I want to be engaged, to be married to that, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would make us a people that not only gather faithfully, not only gather together, but Lord, also that you would add the joy. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.